sir. Yep. All right. Good to be back with you so quickly. Yeah. Amen. This is a, a treat. Praise God. Twice in less than two months. That's awesome. Praise God. I could get used to this. <laughs> Amen. And boy, the praise and worship team, they are awesome. I could listen to them all day. Aren't they wonderful? Praise God. I leaned over to Pastor Keith and I said, now this is real church music. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. And he also said, and you can actually see them. <laughs> Some churches you go into, they have to carry a flashlight. I said, could somebody turn the lights on so I could see my Bible? You know, I don't know what the deal is with all that, but I, I, I like it around here. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, we are on our Ozark Chariots of Light tour. And I want all the Chariots of Light members that are on this tour with us. We've got about 47 of them that are on this tour, representing 14 different states. So all them that are on the tour, stand up and uh, give them a good hand. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you so very much. These are precious people. They love God with all their heart. We have a, we have a theme that we work with in Chariots of Light. And uh, to be a member, number one, you have to have a passion for God. Number two, a passion for souls. And then number three, a passion for motorcycles. And we keep it in that order. We don't let the motorcycles get ahead of our passion for God or our passion for souls. The motorcycle is just a tool. It's just how we get around reaching souls because we're passionate about God and passionate about souls. And mentioning that, uh, Bill and Ginger stand up. They're our national directors uh, for Chariots of Light. Give them a good hand. Praise God. These are some of the most precious people you'll ever meet in your life. Dedicated dedicated to God, dedicated to this ministry, to this outreach. And uh, they not, we not only do these type of tours where we go into different churches every night, but we send teams to nearly every major secular rally in the country, like Sturgis, uh, Daytona Bike Week, uh, Myrtle Beach, uh, Laughlin, Nevada. And uh, wherever there is a gathering of bikers, and most of these gatherings we send them to, there's at least 250,000 bikers there, sometimes 500,000 bikers. And most of them need God. <laughs> they need Jesus in their lives. So we send teams in there. And uh, uh, since we have been keeping a record now, uh, the ministry, the outreach, not Jerry Savelle Ministries, uh, but Chariots of Light, it's in its 21st year since we started this. And... Uh, in those 21 years, we haven't kept a record of all of it, but in the last 10 years especially, there has been a record kept of all the souls that have won, and it's over 235,000 people, praise God. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. So your seed tonight goes into that in helping us send these teams into those secular rallies. And they just returned from Laughlin, Nevada, just a few days ago before coming on this tour, and uh, they ministered over 4,000 people during one-on-one during that uh, few days there in Laughlin. And there was 30, over 3,300 decisions made for Christ during that time, praise God. And the rally was what, only three days? Three days. 
In three days, 3,300 people came to Christ. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Praise God. Now, there's a lot of churches can't say that about, you know, in a, in a year or 10 years. But um, this is a, uh, in fact, when I announced to Brother Copeland years ago that the Lord had placed on my heart to start this, uh, he, he said it to me this way. He said, I want you to turn what once was your passion into a tool for evangelism. And he was talking about motorcycles. I grew up riding motorcycles. And I, I gave that away. I walked away from it when I came to the Lord. And so 10 years later, the Lord said, I want you to turn what once was your passion into a tool for evangelism. And uh, when I went to Brother Copeland with it about a motorcycle ministry, he said, Jerry, I believe this is one of those last days ministries that is going to reach people, reach the unreached, that uh, a lot of ministers, ministries would not be able to reach. It's, it's not a, a ministry where you get them to come to your church. You've got to go to them. Amen. It's a highways and byways ministry. And praise God, we get to ride motorcycles in those highways. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now, I, I especially, this is our first tour, not our first outreach, but our first tour this year. And uh, it was very special to me today because riding through the Ozarks, there's a lot of curves, a lot of hills, a lot of valleys. And you have to understand, two years ago, I was told, and I shared this when I was here with Brother Copeland, but two years ago, I was told, not only would I never preach again, not only would I never travel again, but it wasn't likely I'd ever walk again, and unlikely I'd ever be normal again, and that my wife would just have to take care of me and be like a, uh, I'd just be like a vegetable, you know, and, and uh, but boy, riding this, the, these roads today, especially coming here, it was like this all the way, praise God. And I'm smiling. I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. Look at me, devil. You thought you were going to wipe me out and look at me. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, help me shout a little bit. Praise God. Glory to God. I'm telling you, God is so good. In fact, when I, when, when I was recovered totally within uh, just a few days of being told all those things, uh, and, and back traveling again, when I went back to visit the doctor, he said, your recovery has been magical. Can you explain this? I said, sit down. Yes, sir, I can explain this. Praise God. Amen. If you serve the God I serve, then praise God, these, things kind, of, these kind of things happen. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, lift your hands one more time and just give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, if you will, open your Bibles to Psalm 3. Psalm 3. And I just want to say once again how much I appreciate Keith and Phyllis and, and uh, the friendship that we have and the camaraderie and, uh, and the covenant relationship. It's an awesome thing, and I appreciate it so very much. Psalm 3 and verse 8, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Don't forget to read that last little word. 
Selah. That simply means, in one form, to stop and think about this. Don't be too quick to start on the next chapter. Stop right here. Camp out right here and think about this. And what is he telling us to think about? The blessing of God is on his people. It's upon thy people, praise God. That means, I believe, that if it is on us, then somebody ought to notice it. And the topic I want to talk about, or the subject I want to talk about tonight, is, uh, as I receive direction from the Holy Spirit, has anyone lately noticed the blessing on you? Has anyone lately noticed the blessing on you? The Bible talks about that it should be seen upon us. Should be seen upon us. You know, you, you don't really have to go around talking. Uh, did you know the blessings on me? Or there's something on me. Have you noticed? No, people ought to be able to notice it on their own without you having to say a word. Now, if they ask me in that manner, well, of course, I'm going to respond in a very positive way. But the blessing should be seen upon us. They should see the results of the blessing. Amen. That happens to me all the time, and it should be happening to every believer all the time. I was thinking today as I was uh, uh, just praying about what the Lord wanted me to share with you tonight. I was uh, on one of these tours a few years ago in, in Colorado. And uh, we had stopped for lunch at a, uh, uh, I think it was a uh, cheesecake factory. And we all went in to have lunch and there was uh, several of us, you know, a, a bunch of us. And when I walked in, I noticed at several tables, there was this group of ladies. They all had red hats on. Does anybody know anything about that red hat group? Okay. So it was several of them. I mean, it was about 40 of them. And they all had these red hats on. Well, I, I wasn't familiar with the group or what they were and so forth. And so when the uh, uh, guy set us down, I said, what are all those ladies in those red hats? He said, that's the red hat group. I said, well, I can see that, but who are those ladies? He said, that's what they're called, the red hat club or whatever, red hat ladies. And, uh, and of course, this was a few years ago, so uh, I thought they were elderly, but they're not elderly because I'm their age now. And, uh, but anyway, there's, they, they just all sitting there and they were ordering, Okay. And I could overhear, because they set us right close to them, I could overhear some of them saying, well, you know, do you want to share something? Or, you know, I don't think I can afford this. Or uh, I, I didn't bring a, a whole lot of money or whatever. So I called the waiter over. I said, sir, don't say anything to them. I don't want them to know. But go back over there and tell them to order anything they want. And it's already covered. It's already paid for. And I said, and don't, don't mention who did it and bring me the check. And so uh, he said, are you sure? Do you know how many ladies are over there? I said, well, it looks like about at least 30 or 40. He said, yeah, there are. And you want them to order anything they want? Yes. He said, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> 
And so I said, well, just go do it and tell them to order anything they want and don't, don't feel like they have to, you know, share something. If they don't want to share anything, get what they want. And so he went over there and told them. And uh, so they kept asking. I could hear them. They kept asking, well, who, who's doing this for us? And he said, well, I was told not to tell. And uh, so anyway, uh, they ordered, and, and by the time they all got their food, we're already finished with ours. And so we started to walk out. And uh, uh, I, I started to get on my motorcycle. I'm out in the parking lot, and I started to get on my motorcycle. And this guy came up to me, and he said, uh, are you the one who bought the red hat ladies their meal? I said, well, why do you want to know? He said, well, you sure must be blessed. I said, well, you're talking to the right person. Hallelujah. I am blessed. <laughs> now, he noticed. He, did, he, he, he recognized and apparently was a believer, but he called it blessed. He said, well, you sure must be blessed. I said, yes, sir, I am. I am very blessed. In fact, I'm, I'm extremely blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. Well, in a little while, before I could even get the bike started, here come all them ladies. They gathered around me out there, you know, and said, are you the one that bought our meal? And uh, I said, well, what makes you think I bought your meal? The waiter told us. We'd, we made him tell us. <laughs> and he said, well, I guess I can tell him because he's gone now. And, and he, they said, well, where is he? He said, well, that guy on that, getting on that motorcycle out there. And, and some of the ladies come up and said, well, you sure must be blessed. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. Hallelujah. But notice, I didn't have to say I'm blessed. Somebody recognized it. Somebody noticed it. Amen. It should be that people are coming up to believers. Now I'm talking about word people in particular that know these things, that know that they have the blessing of God on their life. That people are seeing it, acknowledging it, and talking about it. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, has anyone lately, say it, has anyone lately told you, I can see something on you that I want on me? Amen. People ought to recognize that the blessing is on us. Now, that's a marvelous revelation, a marvelous revelation. Now, go with me just a couple of chapters over to chapter 5 and look at verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. If you have something surrounding you, don't you think somebody might notice it? Amen. The Lord told me, and I've said this here before, uh, the Lord told me when I first came to Him, when I first surrendered my life to Him, back in 1969, uh, I was about three months old in the Lord, and I was in my uh, guest bedroom praying one morning, and, and uh, the, the Lord had impressed upon me after I started this journey to, to journal the things that He said to me in prayer. And so that particular morning, he said to me, there will come a day when you'll be known around the world for the favor of God that's on your life and ministry. And then I'll hold you responsible 
for teaching others how to walk in it as you do. Now, I wrote that down in my journal. That was 1969. And uh, in that time, I didn't even know there was such a thing as the favor of God. I'd never heard anybody mention it, never heard anybody talk about it. I mean, how could you have favor with God? You know, I just never even, the thought had never occurred to me. And then the fact that he said my name would be known around the world for the favor of God that was on my life and ministry. Well, I didn't dare tell anybody. I wrote it down in that journal. I still have that journal in my archives right now. And uh, uh, I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell anybody at the church we were going to. You don't go up to people when you're three months old in the Lord and say, guess what? (laughs) My name will be known around the world. Don't you wish you were me? No, you don't go around telling people things like that. Some things the Lord says to you, just keep to yourself. You know, and not only that, it probably would have drawn a lot of unbelief. Well, who do you think you are? You know, we've been in this longer than you have. Why would God do that for you? So anyway, I just kept it to myself. But over a period of time, yeah, I began to see the favor of God showing up constantly. And in fact, it's the first revelation I received. When I, when I started, uh, before I, I launched out, uh, while I was still in preparation, before I was being invited to come and speak, it's the first thing I learned from God, is the favor of God, and learning how to walk in it. And then I realized, as, as I thought back, I've had the favor of God on my life, all my life. I thought back at things that, that had happened in my life that... For the most part, I thought it was luck, and most other people did too. That's what we referred to it as, luck. And I'd been told, even as a young boy, you're the luckiest kid I've ever seen. It was things always happening to me. How many of you remember uh, when you had the old TV westerns on, you know, back, back in the 40s and 50s and early 60s, you know, they were real popular. Well, there was a guy that I really liked that was a cowboy, and his name was Lash LaRue. Anybody remember Lash LaRue? He not only could shoot you, he could pop you with a whip, man. Lash LaRue, he carried a whip with him, you know, and he, man, he was cool. He all black. I said, you know, we're black tonight. I want you to think I was Lash LaRue. No. Uh, oh, he was the coolest cowboy I'd ever seen. I could hardly wait for Lash LaRue to come on. And he had a sidekick, you know, they all had sidekicks, and his sidekick was Fuzzy Q. And, uh, and Lash LaRue and Fuzzy Q. And so uh, Shreveport, where I grew up, had a state fair every year. And they'd always bring in some celebrity entertainer, uh, you know, to the state fair. They had a big top tent, you know, and everything. Well, this particular year, now I'm talking about probably 1955, 6 or 7, somewhere along in there. Uh, the, the, the special guest was Lash LaRue. Well, I could hardly wait. Man, I'm going to see Lash LaRue, not just on television, but live, you know. And so my dad knew how much I liked Lash LaRue, so they took us to the fair, and we, we're sitting in there with at least 3,000 kids, you know, or more. And uh, so Lash LaRue comes up, and he does a few tricks. He has... You know, he pops this whip and does all these tricks with it, and all the kids are they're just marveling, you know, at at, the, at, at this guy's ability with a bull whip, you know. 
And so finally, Fuzzy Q comes up and says, we need a volunteer. Lance LaRue has some special tricks he wants to do, and we need a volunteer. Where well, every kid in there raised their hand, pick me, pick me. And I was, I was standing on the bleachers saying, pick me, you know. Well, Lash LaRue walked, I mean, uh, Fuzzy Q walked through the crowd, and he said, you, and it was me. I walked up there, you know, and, and Lash LaRue did all these tricks, popping paper out of my mouth, you know. I had a, a, a string of paper this long. Pow! I didn't even flinch, man. I didn't care if he whipped me. <laughs> I would have had a scar that Lash LaRue put on there, hallelujah, you know. I could hardly wait to go to school the next door. Look at uh, next day. Look at what Larue did to me. You know, well, boy, he popped that paper. You know, cut it right in half, and and then he had me to stick it under my legs like this, and back here behind me, and he popped it, and I felt uh, a little bit, you know, and but uh, man, he did all kind of tricks, and I was the envy of every kid in that tent, you know. And I, walk, I got ready to walk off that stage. And he said, wait a minute, young man. And he had an autograph. He autographed his uh, picture for me. He said, what's your name? I said, Jerry. And he, he autographed the picture for me. And then he said, now, wait a minute. Don't leave yet. And he had a, a, a watch that had his picture in it on his horse. And he gave me the watch. And so I had the picture of Lash LaRue autographed and the watch. And I could hardly wait to go to school the next day to show off, you know, because every, every one of them boys liked Lash LaRue. And they said, you're the luckiest kid in the whole world. Well, I thought it was luck, you know, but things like that was happening to me all the time, all the time. You know, my dad raced automobiles and, and uh, I grew up on racetracks and uh, if he wasn't racing, he was working on somebody's car, get it prepared for the race. And so I got to go to the races all the time. And I had a, a, a favorite driver. He was from Keokuk, Iowa. And uh, his name was Ernie Durr. And he always won the races. Him and a, a guy uh, named Ramos Stott. And uh, they were always competitive. But, boy, we were always pulling for Ernie. And when Ernie would win... Because he, my dad knew him real well, and I'd be down in the pits with him if he was working on his car. And, and if uh, Ernie won, he'd put me in the car with him to hold the flag to do the victory lap. Oh, I was the envy of every person in that racetrack, man. And, and things like that happened all the time. And, you know, people would think it was luck. It was luck. It was luck. It was luck. You know? And then, you know, in 1969... The first time I ever heard Kenneth Copeland preach uh, is when I surrendered my life to the Lord. And then a few months later, he came back to do a second meeting. And uh, in that second meeting, I had met him. And uh, uh, that second meeting, I'm sitting about where this gentleman is, about three rows back in the church. And he just stopped in the middle of his sermon and said, Jerry, stand up. I was surprised he even remembered my name. Jerry, stand up. <clears throat> I didn't have a clue what he was going to do, so I stood up. He said, I was in prayer today, and God showed me that you and I will be a team, and we'll spend the rest of our lives together preaching all over the world, and it'll be your responsibility to believe God for the perfect timing of the team. Sit down. And then he went back to his sermon. <laughs> I leaned over to Carol, and I said, what was that all about? She said, I think we're moving to Fort Worth, Texas. 
I said, well, why? She said, he said you're going to be a team. I thought, I'm going to be a team with Kenneth Copeland? You know, this is the man that brought the message. It changed my life. What are the odds of some, you know, young man just sitting in the audience who'd been running from God up to the time that he was, uh, Brother Copeland was there the first time, just a few months ago. What are the odds that I would be selected by God to work with Kenneth Copeland and be a team for the rest of our lives? I consider that favor. Amen? Favor. You know, I remember when I moved forward and was working with Brother Copeland, <clears throat> Brother Copeland just thought the world of Brother Hagin. I'd never met Brother Hagin. I'd been in some of his meetings, but I'd never met him. And uh, uh, a lot of times, uh, Brother Copeland would take me uh, to the meetings with him, and Brother Hagin would preach, and after he'd get through preaching, I'd, I'd be standing there next to Brother Copeland, you know, and maybe I'd hold his Bible or something, and he and Brother Hagin would engage in conversation, and I, I was just chomping at the bit to meet Brother Hagin, you know, and and... And I'm standing there next to Brother Copeland, but I never would say, uh, introduce me. I mean, they're, they're talking. It's not my business to interrupt or, or push myself on them. And I'm just standing there patiently. And uh, they'd get through with their conversation, and they'd walk off. Well, I'd follow Brother Copeland. And he said, uh, we'd get in the car, and he'd say, I intended to introduce you to Brother Hagin, and I forgot. He said, I want you to meet him sometime. Well, that happened three or four times, you know. I just stand there, you know. I mean, I'm this close to Kenneth Hagin, and Brother Copeland forgot me. <laughs> How could you forget me? And he'd forget to introduce me, you know. And so I wouldn't push it, nothing, you know. And so one time, Brother Copeland invited, and now by this time I'm preaching with Brother Copeland, and Brother Copeland invited Brother Hagin to be in the meeting with us. So it was Brother Copeland, Gloria, uh, myself, and Kenneth Hagin doing this meeting out in California. And so I thought, well, I'll finally meet Kenneth Hagin. And so uh, Brother Copeland had me to preach first that morning, and then Brother Hagin was going to follow. And so I started out with a message that I called Giving Birth to a Miracle. And boy, the anointing of God hit that place. And I'm telling you, people started getting out of wheelchairs, throwing crutches, and I mean, all kind of miracles were taking place. And then I realized it was time for Brother Hagin to start. And I said, I've got to stop, folks. It's time for Brother Hagin. Let's welcome Brother Hagin. And so Brother Hagin walked out there, and he said, uh, I've been in the ministry long enough to know when to preach and when not to, and this is the one of those times not to. Boy, the anointing's on you. Keep on. Take my time, too. And that was my first introduction to Kenneth Hagin. And then when I, I, I got off the platform after that second service, Brother Hagin said, I want, to preach with, I want you to preach with me. That was my first introduction. And now he's wanting me to preach with him. And the Lord had told me in the book of Proverbs, a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. He said, you'll never have to push yourself on anybody. You'll never have to, uh, you know, toot your own horn, which, so to speak, as we used to say, you know. Uh, you, just, you just find out what your gift is. You cultivate that gift. You develop that gift. You protect that gift, and they'll search you out. That's right. That's right. And that was my first introduction to Kenneth Hagin wanting me to preach 
in some of his future meetings, praise God, which I did, and then became dear friends with him. Amen. I, co- I considered that the favor of God. I remember when I'd come to Tulsa sometime when Buddy and Pat Harrison had church there in Tulsa, and I was real close to Buddy and Pat, and uh, Buddy would have me come, and, and I'd get ready to go up to preach, and I'd walk on the platform, and there'd be Kenneth Hagin and Aretha sitting on the front row. And I thought, my, my, Brother Hagin's sitting on the front row. And uh, after I'd get through preaching and ministering to people, and I'd walk down there and I'd say, uh, Brother Hagin, thank you so much. Aretha, thank you so much for coming. I said, I, I didn't expect you to be here. And uh, I said, but I'm honored that you came to hear me. He said, oh, I always get something out of your preaching. Wow. And then he turned around and walked off. I thought, wow, Kenneth Hagin always gets something out of my preaching. That, that's the favor of God. Yes, Amen. That's the favor of God. I remember going to some of his Holy Ghost meetings where they were extended meetings that you guys were all involved in. And uh, uh, I, sometimes I didn't get to go for the whole thing, but it, I, I would go for the couple of nights that I, I could be there. And uh, it seemed like every time I showed up, uh, Aretha would like for me to sit next to her, or maybe Pat Harrison was there, and I'd sit next to her and her mother, Aretha, you know, and I'd sit there, and they'd, they'd kind of move down and put me right on the corner. And Brother Hagin would come down, and he'd preach for a little while, and he'd just lean on me, just lean on me, and just preach and preach and preach, and then he'd walk off a little bit, then he'd come back and just lean on me. And Aretha said to me one time, she said, you know why he does that? I thought I was holding him up. I don't know why he does that. She said, because he's comfortable with you. He likes you. I thought, wow, Kenneth Hagin likes me. That's the favor of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then, you know, I heard the call of God watching Oral Roberts on television in 1957. I didn't answer the call back then. It wasn't until 1969. But when I did finally answer the call, One of my great desires was just to meet old Robert sometime. I didn't want to become his friend necessarily or or associate or anything like that. I just wanted to have an opportunity sometime, just shake hands with him and say, Sir, thank you. I heard the call of God watching you on television when I was 11 years old. And that would have been satisfactory. But no, God had something better. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. In fact, the way I met old Roberts... I was preaching Brother Copeland in 1981 in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, it was a believer's convention. And the last night, Saturday nights, Brother Copeland normally always closed the meeting out. So Carol and I are sitting next to Gloria and Charles and Peggy Cabs and Norval Hayes and the other speakers. And uh, <clears throat> Brother Copeland got up to preach and he walked up to the platform. And as he normally does, let's open our Bibles tonight. And he just looked at his. And he didn't tell us where. Inquiring minds want to know. you know. And we didn't have a clue where he wanted us to open our Bibles. And he just kept looking at his. Kind of doing like this. And finally he closed it. And he said, Jerry, get up here. God wants you to close this out. Well, I didn't have a clue what I was going to preach. But I knew better than to tell Kenneth Copeland, no. <laughs> you know? And so I walk up there. I mean, I'd preached everything I'd prepared to preach that whole week, you know. 
And so I walked up there not having a clue what I was going to preach. And um, so he he had one of his uh, team members to put a chair right next to the podium, just just a few feet from the podium. And he grabbed my coat tail on my way up to the podium, and he said, you tell us everything God wants us to hear. I said, yes, sir. I wish I knew what God wants us to hear. You know? <laughs> and so uh, I walked up to the podium, and uh, I didn't have my notebook because I, I, I left it in the room because I was done. It wouldn't even need me taking my notebook with the sermons in it, you know. But I had my Bible, and, and uh, so I just laid my Bible on the podium like that. No, not quite that hard, but just laid it down like that. And when I looked down at it, it was open to Daniel chapter 3, or the book of Daniel. And the first thing I saw was the story of the three Hebrew children. And all of a sudden, I heard coming out of me the sermon I heard, heard Oral Roberts preach under the big tent on television when I was 11 years old when I heard the call of God. And his most famous sermon was the fourth man. And uh, I didn't know I had all that in me. And when I looked down at that story of the three Hebrew children, I heard it coming out of me just like I heard it come out of Oral Roberts. I preached it just like he did. And if you've ever heard it, and if you haven't heard it, go to YouTube or something and listen to it, but make sure nobody's around you and clear the room out of the furniture because you can't sit still. I mean, it's so anointing. And I, I'd hear uh, Oral Roberts would show the fourth man in every book of the Bible. And he'd say, in Genesis, he's and he went all the way through to the book of Revelation. And I heard all that coming out of me. And I didn't know all those things. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, the scriptures about Jesus in every book of the Bible. But it was coming out of me. And man, when I got through, Brother Copeland jumped up and he said, my Lord, that's one of the most anointed messages I've ever heard. And he said to his TV department, whatever you got scheduled for my Sunday broadcast soon, you cancel it and get this message Jerry just preached on there as quick as you can. Well, in about four or five, six weeks at the most, it came out on his Sunday broadcast. Little did I know that Oral and Evelyn Roberts would be sitting in their home watching it. That was on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon in Tulsa. Monday morning, around 9 o'clock, when I went into the office, my secretary said, uh, there's someone on the phone from Oral Roberts uh, Evangelistic Association wants to talk to you. And so I went to the phone and she said, my name is Ruth Rooks. I'm Oral Roberts' personal secretary. He saw you <clears throat> yesterday preaching on Kenneth Copeland's broadcast, and he wants you in his office uh, today at about 11 o'clock. I can tell him you will be here, right? I thought, who tells Oral Roberts no? <laughs> so I got in my plane, and I flew to Tulsa. I didn't have a clue. I knew where the campus was, but I, have a I didn't have a clue where his office was. I asked a student that was walking by, you know, and I said, can you direct me to Oral Roberts' office? Oh, no, we're not allowed to go there. I said, well, I am. Who knows how to get there? And so uh, finally I found somebody that could direct me to Oral Roberts' office. And when I, when I got there, Ruth Rooks you know, uh, contacted him or 
uh, on the intercom and said, Jerry Savelle is in my office. So I'm standing there looking at her while she's telling him that. All of a sudden, the doors to his office open up. He stands out there. And I, I, I knew he was a tall man. I didn't realize how tall. He was tall. And he had his arms out like this. And it looked like they went from one end of the room to the other. <laughs> I, I was just in awe uh, to be in his presence. And he said, come here. I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. I turned around to see who else came in the room. <laughs> he said, I'm talking to you. I said, you're talking to me? He said, yes, I'm talking to you. I said, you've been wanting to meet me for a long time? I pulled out the script. And I said, that's my line. You know? <laughs> I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. He said, come here. So I walked up a little closer. and He said, come a little closer. Well, how close are you supposed to get to old Roberts, you know? And so I went, he said, come a little closer. Well, I got as close as I thought I was allowed to. And then he just reached out with all those long, those long arms and just pulled me up to his chest and began to prophesy over me. And then he said, come into my office. I saw you preach my sermon on Kenneth Copeland's broadcast yesterday. I thought, they're going to sue me. The lawyers are in there waiting on me, you know. So I walked in his office and there was no one in there. And he said, sit down there on that sofa. And I sat down. He sat down next to me. And he said, yesterday watching you preach the fourth man, I leaned to Evelyn and said, I have never heard anybody preach that message stronger in my life than that young man besides myself. He said he was almost as good as me. <laughs> and he said, and I told Evelyn, it's time for me to have a, a relationship with this young man. He said, I heard a few years ago that you heard the call of God watching me on television when you were a young boy. I said, yes, sir, I did. And he said, well, uh, this is going to begin a relationship. Well, it did, praise God. And I was so honored. I was so blessed. I mean, one of the odds of an 11-year-old boy hearing Oral Roberts on television and years later, you become a personal friend. You serve on his board. You're in his home. He's in your home. You travel with him. He travels with you. He'd call me sometimes and say, uh, I want to go to Africa with you. I didn't call him. He called me. I want to go to Africa with you. I said, well, Brother Roberts, I wish I'd have known earlier because I've got a full schedule when I get there. He said, well, would you at least pray and see if it'd be all right with God if I go with you. I said, well, who am I to tell old Roberts no, you know? So, yeah, he'd come and go, and, and oh, we just having a, a, a special time, and I loved him dearly. In fact, I miss him so much right now, and uh, I, I, I've often said if there's ever another man on this planet that loved old Roberts more than Jerry Savelle, I'd like to meet him, because I love the man. I respected the man, and he, he was my spiritual grandfather. Brother Copeland's my spiritual father, and Brother Roberts was my spiritual grandfather, and I loved him greatly. But I considered that the favor of God. I mean, how many preachers go through their ministries in a lifetime and never have an opportunity to meet one person of an Oral Roberts caliber? Amen? But I've been privileged to preach with, I would say, most of the most anointed men and women of God of our generation. 
And many of them I've become close friends to. Amen. I believe that's the favor of God. And, and now all over the world, all over the world, people know the favor of God on my life. In fact, I'm, I believe I'd be safe in saying, and I'm not being braggadocious about it, I believe I'd be safe in saying that I have produced more resources, more books, more tapes, more cassettes, more CDs, more resources on the subject of the favor of God than any other minister of our generation. In fact, a lot of places I go, they introduce me as, let's welcome Dr. Favor. They don't call me Savelle, let's welcome Dr. Favor. Not only that, but there was a, a guy, and I think I might have told you this, a guy that, that is a hip-hop artist, and I'm not much into hip-hop, you know, but he wrote a song about the favor of God on my life. Yes, sir. You can get it on, it on YouTube. It's called The Favor Flow. And the opening line is, I won't favor like Jerry Savelle. <laughs> How many people have written songs about you? Oh, it's good. You ought to, yeah, when you get home tonight, go to, um, what's his name again? Terry Minor. Yeah, Terry Minor. It's on YouTube called The Favor Flow. And... Uh, uh, listen to it. It's, it's good. In fact, I'm trying to learn how to do the steps. You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when I get it down good, I'll play the whole song for you and I'll dance for you. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So that's happened. That's happened to me. In fact, today we stopped at one uh, service station to fill up, take a little break before we went any further. And as I got off my bike and I headed into the convenience store there, there was a guy that had just got out of his truck. And he walked around his truck and he said, Jerry Savelle? I said, yes, sir. He said, I don't believe this. He said, I just turned the truck off. And I was listening to Kenneth Copeland. And the last thing I heard Kenneth Copeland say before I turned the ignition off was, if you have an opportunity to get around Jerry Svelte, do so because he is extremely blessed and highly favored. He said, and here you are. Hallelujah. Amen. You didn't know about that. I told some of the other guys that were there. And, and he said, I can't believe this. I walk out of that truck and that's the last thing I heard Kenneth Copeland say. And here you are. I said, well, give me a hug, man. It'll get all over you. Praise God. Amen. The favor of God. Now notice the Bible says the blessing is upon thy people. But here's something important. You can't have the blessing without favor. They're divinely connected. In fact, you'll find in Genesis chapter 12 when God told Abraham, I will bless thee and make you a blessing. In fact, go ahead and turn to Genesis 12 because we're going to get there in just a moment. But if you'll look in the Amplified, it says not only I will bless you, but I'll give you an abundant increase of favors. So blessing and favor are divinely connected. You can't have one without the other. I'll take them both. How about you? Praise God. Amen. Now, the point I'm endeavoring to make is, if the blessing is on you and favor surrounds you, then wouldn't you think that somebody ought to notice it at some time in your life without you having to say anything about it? Amen? It's one of the ways that God gets their attention. 
It's a, it's a tool, praise God. It's not only uh, beneficial for our lives personally. I mean, the blessing, my goodness. I could stand up here all night and tell you, uh, and, and weeks of, and, and later, still telling you everything the blessing has produced in my life and the favor of God that's produced in my life. And it certainly has been beneficial to me, but when other people see it, it's an attraction. It's an attention getter. Amen. God wants you so blessed and so favored that it causes people to want to know, how are you doing this? Where are you getting all this? And you'll be able to say, it's the God I serve, it's His blessing on my life, and it's His favor that I walk in, praise God. And you know, anybody that's ever asked me that, or ever said something to that effect, I don't know one that ever turned me down when I said, can I pray for you? I'd like to introduce you to the God I serve and the God that put this blessing and favor on me. I don't, I don't recall one person ever turning me down. It's an attraction. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, we, we, a few years ago, uh, we have, you know, these UPS drivers deliver, making deliveries all the time out at the ministry. And, and uh, uh, there was a new driver assigned to our area and he didn't he didn't he wasn't familiar with our area out there and so when he got to the little town of Crowley where we are he stopped at a service station and he said uh, I need directions they said what do you need can you tell me how to get to Jerry Savelle Ministries and the guy at the service station said I just go out here about another mile anywhere you look they own it all That's what he told our guys when he got there. He said, that guy told me y'all own it all out here. He said, well, just about. (laughs) He said, man, you must be blessed. Notice he recognized it and attributed it to the blessing. Amen. The blessing, praise God. All right, now look at Genesis chapter 12 for a moment. Genesis chapter 12, and you're familiar with this. Verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. Now, we hear about, I'll bless you and I'll I'll, uh, make you a blessing, but we don't hear a lot of teaching about, I'll make your name great. We seem to kind of overlook that. I'll not only bless you and make you a blessing, but I'll make your name great. Now, another translation says distinguished. Distinguished. I'll make your name great, and I'll make your name distinguished. Amen. And God said this to Abraham after he had pronounced the blessing on him. Now, go to chapter 13 and look at verse 2. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Notice the the results of the blessing and the favor that God had pronounced upon him made him rich. Hallelujah. Would you think that if you were made rich, and apparently you weren't rich before you were made rich, amen, amen, If you were made rich, somebody might notice. (laughs) 
Amen. What's God doing here? He's, he's using Abraham as an attraction. It says, he was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And notice, it only took one chapter. I like to ask people, how many chapters will it take you? Look at your neighbor and say, how many chapters will it take you? Notice, as a result of him being blessed and favored, he was rich. Amen? Now, go with me to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 24. And look at verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Another translation says, in every way. Now, wouldn't you just think that if you were blessed in all things and blessed in every way, somebody would notice it? Amen. Somebody would notice it. So I ask the question again. Has anybody lately said to you, what is on you? What is it about you? Why is all these things happening to you? And they may not call it the blessing, but that's actually what they're referring to. It's the blessing. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Amen. It's the blessing of the Lord that will make a person rich. The, the message translation says, God's blessing makes life rich. And nothing we can do can improve on it. Amen. The blessing makes life rich. Look at your neighbor and say, I want a rich life. So what are we talking about a rich life? It not only has to do with prosperity. It not only has to do with, you know, more than enough. And able to not only uh, take care of your family, but also it allows you to invest in your church and help with building programs and missions works and, and all that. And not only that, but you have an opportunity to bless others. Ask the Lord one time when, when I read that in Genesis 12 about, and I'll make you a blessing. I said, what is your definition of me being a blessing? He said, it's when you have the ability to prevent misfortune in the lives of others. Hallelujah. When you have the ability to prevent misfortune in the lives of others. Uh, Carol and I, one time, a number of years ago, I was in a a little church down in South Texas. Probably didn't hold 60 people. And they was, these were sweet people, and they'd come to my meetings in San Antonio, and, and they said, uh, we're, we're almost ashamed to even ask you because our church is so small, but if, if you would pray and ask the Lord, uh, would, would you think he might send you to our church sometime? I said, I don't care how many people you got. I'll, I'll get there as soon as I can, I promise you. So I finished a meeting. And uh, I called them and I said, I'm on my way home. I was driving and I said, I'm on my way home, but if you want me to stop by, uh, I'll, I'll preach for you tonight. Well, you know, it's easy to contact 60 people, you know. wasn't talking about 6,000 or 600. I said, can you lo- notify your people I'm coming? He said, oh, we'll get on the phone right now. I said, okay, I'm coming. 
And I told him, I said, now, I don't want an offering. I'm just coming to be a blessing. That's all I want to do, just be a blessing. Oh, Brother Jerry, we couldn't, we couldn't come, let, have you come and not give you an offering. I said, I don't want an offering. I'm just coming to be a blessing. And so finally, when I got there, they said, uh, would you mind staying in our home? We have a, a guest bedroom, and we won't bother you, and, and uh, uh, we, we'd be honored if you'd stay in our home. I said, yes, I'll stay in your home. And so uh, when it came time for the service, we went over and had a wonderful service. And she said, uh, now, before you leave, and I was planning on driving back home because it was, it was maybe an hour and a half back home, and I was going to leave after the service. She said, would you consider coming uh, to the house and let me give you some dinner before you leave? Now, this woman can cook, I was told. And, uh, you know, I said, uh, well, yeah, I don't want to stay too long, but I'd, I'd be happy to do that. And somebody told me, said, oh, Brother Jerry, you're in for a treat. She makes the best pecan pie in the whole county. I said, I know I'm staying now. I may spend the night. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so I love pecan pie, you know. And so uh, I said, you got any bluebell ice cream? She said, oh, yeah, you can't have pecan pie without some bluebell ice cream, you know. I said, bring it on, lady. And so, uh, you know, we had a little lunch, a little dinner there with them, you know. And they said, uh, Brother Jerry, you know, we're a small church and we don't, we can't give you very much. I said, you give me all I want. This fine dinner and uh, this, this pecan pie. She said, I made you one to take home. I said, it's overflow. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, she's, they said, would you consider coming back? I said, sure I would. Well, before I left there, how many of you remember the, the satellite days? where churches were ordering satellites where they could pick up all these special meetings, you know, like Brother Copeland's Believers Convention and things, you know, and he had to buy this big dish. It was almost big as the roof of this house. And they were believing one for, for their church so they could watch all these special meetings because they very seldom got to go to those kind of meetings. And I said, uh, you go pick it out and, and tell me what it cost and what it will cost to install it and, I'll, and you let me know, and I'll send you a check and pay for it. Oh, Brother Jerry, we didn't expect you to do that. I said, that's what I'm here for. Praise God. And so they did. And the first satellite seminar they picked up, I was preaching for Robert Tilton. And uh, that was the first meeting they picked up with me preaching it. And, uh, and, and so they called me just before I went to the service. said, Brother Jerry, it's all set up. We'll be watching you tonight. So when Robert turned it over to me, I, I said hi to everybody out there in that little church, you know, and, oh, they were thrilled about that. So not too long after that, I went back to the church, and when I got through ministering, uh, he said, now, uh, we're not taking no for an answer this time. We have an offering for you. I said, I didn't come for an offering. I just wanted to be a blessing to you. Well, you've already been a blessing to us, so now let us bless you. And they just insisted. They said, ever since uh, we contacted you and uh, you said you would come, we've been, we've been receiving offerings and uh, said, and, and it's in cash and we want to give it to you. Here it is. They had it in a bag, you know. And so uh, I'm getting ready to leave and I'm going to drive back home. And that bag's sitting over in the front seat. And uh, I don't know how much is in there. 
you know, it's sitting in the front seat. Thought we'd count it when we got home. So I got home about 11 that night. And as soon as I walked through the door, I was surprised my wife was still up. She said, uh, don't, don't do anything else. Don't go to your bedroom. Don't change clothes. We got to go right now. I said, where are we going? She said, there's a family that are being evicted. They got all these kids. They don't have any money. They're behind several months in the rent. And the landlord told them if they didn't have the money by midnight tonight that he was kicking them all out. She said, uh, have you got some cash money on you? I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I got a sack full of it. I don't know how much is in there. You know? And she said, well, go count it real quick and then let's go. And it turned out to be $1,000. That was a big offering for this little church. You know? And so... Uh, we got over there, and, and, and the little kids were carrying their baby dolls out and putting it in the back of the pickup and tears in their eyes, and they didn't know where they was going to go and, you know, didn't have money for even for a hotel, you know. And, and they saw me, and they said, Brother Jerry, what are you doing here? And I said, Come on, kids, we're not moving tonight. Let's take it all back in. And I got to the, their father. I said, Where does this landlord live? He said, Down at the end of the street. And I said, Let's go. I got the money to take care of it. That's what they needed, $1,000. And so we went down there and took care of that. And I'm telling you, the look on those kids' face and that couple's face and the tears and the thankfulness, I don't believe they make a Mercedes that could take the place of what I saw in those faces. Amen. We, were, we drove back home and the Lord said, Now you see what I mean by being a blessing? You just prevented misfortune in the life of somebody else. That's what a blessing is. Amen? Where you're able to prevent misfortune in the lives of other people. Praise God. So notice here that God not only told Abraham, I will bless you, I'll make you a blessing, but I'll also make your name great. Become distinguished. Can you say amen? Proverbs says, once again, that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And the message translation said, will, will cause you to have a rich life. So a rich life, once again, is not just having money in the bank. That's part of it. But I, I listed a few things here that I, I, I thought in my own uh, mind, what, what would be a rich life? How would you describe a rich life? I put number one, having more than enough. Number two, well supplied. Number three, abounding. Number four, full of strength, vitality, and good health. Number five, peace of mind, free from worry and fear. That's a rich life. Would you agree that's a good description of a rich life? Not just having money in the bank. Not just having more than you need. Not just having uh, enough to, to take care of you and your family. But enough to... To, to get involved in the work of the Lord, get involved in preventing misfortune in the lives of others, but it also includes full of strength, vitality, and good health. Hallelujah. Anybody thank God for good health? Well, you're looking at one guy right here. I'm thanking God for good health. Hallelujah. I thank God that I'm standing behind this pulpit tonight. Hallelujah. No explanation to it whatsoever, but God. Amen. Somebody say, but God. 
You're looking at a fellow that's enjoying a rich life. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll be 73 this year, and I don't intend to stop riding motorcycles. If I can't ride two wheels, I'll get three wheels. Amen. And I'll do it as a testimony to the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Have, have, have you ever thought how wonderful it is to not go to bed worrying? Well, you don't have any problems. Who told you that lie? <laughs> but I don't worry. Because the blessing of the Lord is on me. And it makes a rich life. And part of a rich life is free from worry. Peace of mind. Hallelujah. I count on the blessing. I just know that I know, praise God, that the blessing on my life is going to take care of this situation. Or the favor of God on my life is going to take care of this situation. So why go to bed worrying? Amen. Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Amen. Now, let's get back to seeing it on you. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I promise I'll be through before the celebration starts on Sunday. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 28. And let's look at verse 10. Now, you're familiar with Deuteronomy 28 about the blessings of Abraham. And, of course, Galatians says if we be Christ, then we're heirs to the promise. We're the seed of Abraham. You know they belong to you. So notice in verse 10. And all people of the earth shall see, shall see, shall see. Somebody say, shall see. see. Notice they're going to see something. They're going to see something. God wants people to see something happening in your life, something that's on your life. And that thing that's on your life, producing things in your life that cause people to take notice. Can you say amen? amen? And all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Now, a better rendering there for the word, phrase afraid of thee would be hold you in respectful awe. Amen. They're going to see the blessing of God on you. They're going to see the blessing of God working for you. They're going to see the blessing of God causing you to rise above everything that keeps others down. They're going to see the, 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 the blessing of God causing you to excel, to increase, to prosper. Amen? And it says, and they will hold you in respectful awe. And the word awe means an overwhelming feeling of wonder and admiration. Amen. In other words, they're going to want to be like you. Does anybody envy you? Does anybody wish they were you? I've been told that. I'm sure you have too. Boy, I wish I was you. Well, why would you want to be me? Because they see things happening. They see miraculous things happening. They see things happening that they know that I couldn't make happen. It had to be God. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Can you say amen? amen? Now, remember he said, I'll make your name great. The Amplifier says, famous and distinguished. And distinguished implies standing above others. Hallelujah. Standing above others. You know, I had the privilege when Ronald Reagan was president, and I, I really admired President Reagan, and I was invited to come to the inauguration in his first term, and I was invited to come the second term. And I served on the senatorial uh, committee, Republican senatorial committee. So I got to go to Washington for on several occasions and be in special meetings, and several of them was in honor of President Reagan. I never did actually meet him, but I was in, uh, in, in rooms where it was, you know, invitation only. I was in rooms where I was this close to him, but I never actually shook hands with him or meet him. But I'll tell you, he didn't have to say a word. When he came through the door, the respect, the awe, <laughs> you knew there was something on this man. I told Carolyn one time, I called her from Washington, and I said, Carolyn, I have been in the presence of a great man tonight. I said, he didn't have to open his mouth. He just had to walk in the room. And, and the, the awe and the respect. Amen. That's, that's the way God wants his people because the blessing is on them and the favor of God's on them. And producing things that, that most people could only dream of happening to them. And cause awe and respect. Amen. I, I believe this church has a great dimension of that. Amen. Where people drive by this place with respect. You know, awe. Stand in awe. I do. I, when I, every time I come here, I stand in awe. Of, of what God's doing here. Amen. And what God is doing with your pastors and, and doing with this congregation. Man, you guys are amazing. There's not many churches that I've been in, and I've been doing this for 50 years now, that's coming up on their 17th anniversary that can uh, testify to all the things that you guys have experienced. Some of them never have half the testimony in a whole lot longer time. But something's on you people. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. <laughs> Reach over and tell somebody, go ahead and touch me if you like. It'll be all right. Touch me. Amen. There's something on you. It's the blessing. It's the favor of God. Can you say amen? And it's time for others to notice. Hallelujah. We got, a, we got a world out there that don't know where to turn. They don't know left from right. They don't know up from down. And they need some people that they can look to that are not caving in like the rest of the world, not giving up like the rest of the world, not quitting like the rest of the world, not begging like the rest of the world, not conning like the rest of the world. Amen. They just see people just living it and just loving God with all their heart and God just causes His blessings to flow and His favor to surround them 
and it seemed like everything they touch eventually turns to gold. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's go very quickly to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. And you're familiar with the story, I'm sure. We'll just touch on it. Here we find uh, Isaac, who is the seed of Abraham. And, of course, the promise went to Abraham's seed, not only in their generation, but Galatians says, to his seed in their generation. And Paul lets us know that we are the seed of Abraham. So, praise God, I can expect the same results that my father Abraham had because I'm one of his seed. And so can you. Can you say amen? And so notice here uh, in verse 1, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries and so forth. But notice he says, don't run to Egypt. You, you go where I want you to go, and I'll be with you. Not only that, I'll bless you. Bless means to empower, to prosper. I will empower you to prosper wherever I send you. Okay? And then it says in verse 12, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Another translation says extremely wealthy. One other translation says he got richer by the day. Hallelujah. Got richer by the day. Why? Because the blessing was on him. And then he said he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Notice, you can't envy somebody unless they got something you don't have. (laughs) Amen? They envied him, so they saw something on him. They saw the results of it. Amen? If you were standing out there in that field, and you were looking at the land where Isaac sowed into you're going to be looking at stalks of, uh, of, the, of the highest produce. But then you look at your land and it's scorched. There's a famine. And you look at your land and there's nothing. You look at his land and there's fruitfulness, uh, abundance. You look at your land again, there's nothing. You look at his land, something's wrong here. That guy's got something we don't have. And they envied him. Amen. They envied him so they could see the blessing working in his life. Now, it goes on to say in verse 29. Well, let's, let's back up to verse 26. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar. And then verse 27 says, And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing you hate me? They'd already run him off once, and now they're coming back to him. And they said, why are you coming to me, seeing that you hate me, and have sent me away from you? Listen at verse 28. And they said, 
we saw certainly that the Lord was with thee, and we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee. Notice they saw something on him. They saw the blessing that was working in his life. And now they actually said, we, we saw that the Lord is with you. And now all of a sudden, people that hate him now want to enter into covenant with him. Why? Because maybe what's on him will get on us. Amen. Isn't that amazing? And notice it was a result of they saw the blessing on him. Look at your neighbor and say, has anybody noticed the blessing on you? The message translation says, we realized that God is on your side and God's blessing is with you. Amen. And then, in fact, Abimelech went on to say from the message translation, and we'd like to make a deal between us. <laughs> we'd like to make a deal between us. I've had worldly people want to enter into relationship with me because they saw the blessing on me. They didn't know it was the blessing. They, they, they'd say things like, you know, uh, luck and all that kind of thing. But they'd want to, you know, join forces, so to speak, because they saw something happening in my life that was not happening in theirs. When, when the Lord blessed us with all that land out there on the south side of Fort Worth, when, when we got it for absolutely coins, basically, <laughs> real, uh, developers started coming out and asking us, why did you get that land and we didn't? We've been trying to get that land for a long time. You're not a developer. You're not in the real estate business. Why did you get it when we couldn't get it? I said, God. And one of them said, no, really, who do you know? I said, God. And one of them got so mad at me, he turned and said, whatever, and just stormed out, you know. But another one, he said, tell me how you got that land. I've been trying to get that land for a long time. How did you get it? I said, the favor of God. He said, the favor of God. I said, yes, sir, the favor of God, the blessing of God. He said, well, I never heard anything like that. Could you teach me? I said, yes, sit down. (laughs) He wanted to know. He wanted to know, praise God. Found out he was just, you know, he's just a good Baptist brother, but he'd never had heard anything about Abraham's blessing being ours and so forth. And so he not only sat there that day, but he came back a few times. Teach me about this favor thing. Teach me about this blessing thing. Amen. So he saw something on us that he wanted. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, uh, let's look at, uh, uh, well, let let me read another translation to you first. We clearly saw that God's blessing is on you now. And your prosperity is a manifested token of the Lord's favor. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Let me read that again. This is what Abimelech said to Isaac. We clearly saw that the God's blessing is on you now, and your prosperity is a manifested token of the Lord's favor. And then still another translation says, whom God has enriched greatly with manifold blessings. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what they saw when they saw what the blessing produced in Isaac's life. 
Can you say amen? Praise God. All right, now, I want you to go a little further, and we won't take up a whole lot more time. But I want you to see that God wants others to see the blessing on you and working for you. Hallelujah. Uh, let's go to... Um, oh, where do I want to go? Well, what I had it in my notes here. Did y'all get my notes? Hold on. I'll be right back. You ought to try to preach to you sometime. It's fun. Where did I, I know where it is. I'm going to find it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. (laughs) Well, hallelujah. Somebody took it right out of my Bible when I wasn't looking. find that. Let me just look here a little closer. I apologize for this. Yeah. I know why I can't find it. I already covered it. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Glory to God. Yeah, cover it again. I was talking about what Abimelech said to Isaac. That's what I was looking for, and I already covered it. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. All right. I want you to stand to your feet, if you will. I want to challenge you to begin to believe that the blessing and the favor of God is going to manifest in your life at a higher level. Not just for your benefit, but so that your life will become an attraction to other people. Amen. We, got a, we still got a world to win. And God's counting on us to do it. 
So let's not get lax in this and just, you know, carry on as usual. Let's press in and say, Lord, you promised to make me a blessing. Not only to bless me, but to make me a blessing. I want you to use me to prevent misfortune in the lives of others. I want you to cause me to increase more and more so that I can be a blessing more and more. Can you say amen? amen. And then don't, don't forget the favor. Decree every day that the favor of God is on me. It surrounds me. It opens doors that no man can shut. Hallelujah. And then uh, in closing it out here, I wrote a few little definitions here about what I think the favor of God is and, and how I expect it to manifest in my life. Number one, it is something granted out of goodwill. It can't be earned. It's a gift. The favor of God's a gift. You can't, you can't get so good that you get God's favor. No, He got it for you. Praise God. You have the favor of God on you. If you're born again, you have the favor of God on you right now. You may not know how to walk in it, perhaps as, uh, at the level that I do or some others do, but you can get there if you spend quality time in the Word. God will show you, praise God. Amen. Amen. And then number two, it's something bestowed as a token of love. Amen. As a token of love. Think of every time you experience the favor of God, that's just one of God's way of saying, I love you. Amen. I love you. Praise God. You know, uh, Richard Roberts and Lindsay Roberts and Carol and I were out having lunch one day uh, about a year ago or so. And we're just uh, coming back home uh, after the lunch. And Richard and I are sitting in the back. And Carolyn and Lindsay are sitting in the front. Carolyn driving. And we're just talking, you know. And... Uh, all of a sudden, my phone beeps to let me know I got a message. And so uh, I looked down at my phone, and of course, everybody got quiet just in case I needed to talk to somebody. And uh, then the next thing they saw was a big smile come to my face. And uh, I leaned the phone over to Richard. I said, look at this. And I had just said to him earlier in the car before this happened, I just said to him, I said, Richard, I still get up saying nearly every day something I learned from your daddy. Something good is going to happen to you. And I said, I get up saying that every day. Something good is going to happen to me. I said, look at this. And there was this guy that, that wrote in a text and he said, uh, I heard your story about when you, uh, before you came to the Lord, and right after you and Carolyn married, and how that you had a 65 GTO, and it was your favorite car. And you had to sell it when you went on active duty in the military, so Carolyn would have money to live on while you were gone. And he said, uh, I just want you to know, I have completely restored one of the rarest 65 GTOs, and I just wanted to bless you with it. Call me if you're interested. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And Richard read that and he said, something good did happen to you today. And I, I read it and they didn't know what it, uh, Carol and Lindsay didn't know what it was. And so I read it to them and Lindsay started singing, little GTO. I said, look at this. And I heard two things from the Lord. Number one, surprise. And number two, it's a token of my love. It's a token of my love. I always wanted, now, it was not going to be, it wasn't something I was going to die if I didn't get it, but I still would have liked to have had a 65 GTO. I still like classic cars. And God knew that. He also knows that I delight myself in Him, and He gives me the desires of my heart. And boy, when they delivered it, my goodness, it is one fine GTO. I took Jesse DePlantis riding in it, and he screamed all the way. <laughs> it's three deuces and a four-speed, praise God. And he's hollering over. He's sitting over there, hanging on. I'm burning rubber in three gears, and boy, we're running down the road. And, and he's hanging on, and he's, he's shouting, I'm 16 again. I'm 16 again. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's, that's just the Lord's favor. Amen? It's just the Lord's favor. And a token of His love. And every time I go out to my... My wife says, quit calling it a shop, it's a museum. Every time I go out to my museum where my classic motorcycles and cars are, I just, I'm just overwhelmed by the love of God. And I, I walk in there sometimes, and I have done this, where I have given everything in that building, not this particular building, but before I built this one, the smaller building, uh, everything in there gave away. I just walked in and said, Lord, I want you to know, none of this means anything to me other than the fact that you gave it to me, you blessed me with it, but I want to show you again that you're still number one. Tell me who I can give this to, and it'll be gone by dark. And I just emptied the garage. My wife said, don't you ever do that again. I said, why? She said, God knows he's number one in your life. Every time you do that, it comes back to you in fleets. You have to build a bigger garage. <laughs> but I just, sometimes I only, I, I, I may just have a few moments and I'll walk out there before I get ready to go on another trip and I'll unlock the door and turn the lights on, turn the alarm off and just look. And I just get overwhelmed by the love of God. Hallelujah. That's the way it ought to be. Not only that, but, you know, and I, it's not open for the public, you know, but every once in a while we have to have, you know, people come out and do some certain things, you know, work on certain things, and, uh, and, and they'll go in there, and, and they're, they're in awe. Not just of, and every classic car and motorcycle in there, it's been totally restored. Most of them, every nut and bolt has been replaced. And they're beautiful. And it's not just the fact that it's a great collection. They're overwhelmed when I tell them, God gave it to me. Amen. God gave it to me. God gave this to you? Yeah. Well, I didn't know God did stuff like that. I said, well, now i got an opportunity. i got a hook in, praise God. I'm, I'm a fisher of men. I just, got, I just got the hook in. 
I've never had anybody turn me down when particularly I had evidence of the blessing. Amen. Amen. Lift both hands and say, Lord, Lord, give me more evidence of the blessing. blessing. And I'll use it as a tool to bring others to Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. And let me give you two last definitions here, what I consider the favor of God and its ability and what it will do. Preferential treatment. Preferential treatment. Hallelujah. Carolyn and I just came back before I started this tour. We were, uh, I've been going, I'm doing Brother Copeland's meetings, I'm doing my meetings, and, and I needed a break. And so, spontaneously, I said, we're going to Honolulu. And so we flew to Honolulu. And we stay in the same hotel. We've been going there for years and years and years. And the people know us there. And and we have great favor there. We've prayed families in. We've prayed their sick ones for healing. Uh, In fact, even the people that park the cars out front and get the luggage... Oh, when they see us walk up there, they can't, they, they forget who they're working with and come hug us. Oh, Brother Jerry, we're so glad you're here. How long are you going to get to stay? You know, and of course, I bless them real good every time I, when I get ready to leave. And uh, uh, so we just went over there to have a, a rest. We didn't, uh, we didn't do any snorkeling. We didn't do any deep sea fishing. We didn't surf. We sat on a balcony and read books and rested. Amen. It was fun. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, when, when we got back, it was time for this meeting. To, you know, I had one day to get prepared to leave on this tour. And the Lord was already arranging for blessings. They were waiting for me when I got back. Hallelujah. The Bible says they'll come on you and they'll overtake you. Uh, another meaning uh, in the Hebrew, one of the meanings for overtake is surprise you. Amen. So we just, we just come home and surprise. <laughs> surprise. Surprise. It's a rich life. And you're entitled to it just as much as I am. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Say, I'm entitled to it. I'm entitled. Just as much as Brother Jerry is. Brother Jerry. Our Brother Keith. Our, brother Our Sister Phyllis. Our sister. I'm entitled to it. Entitled. And I receive it. In Jesus' name. And give Him your best shout, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Uh, and, and, and the last part of that Hawaii thing was, you don't get first-class seats on short notice. But we did. <laughs> Hallelujah. Preferential treatment. I didn't walk in there with a sign on my chest saying, I'm favored. I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. I just walked in there knowing I had the favor of God on my life. Amen. And God makes things happen. Try it. You'll like it. Hallelujah. Amen.
Give the Lord another good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Say, from this day forward, I believe people are going to notice something on me. They're going to notice the favor of God. They're going to notice the blessing of God. And they're going to want to know how I got it. And I'll tell them, Jesus, my Savior, God, my Father, will give it to you just like He gave it to me. Hallelujah. And I believe, praise God, you're going to become a greater soul winner than you've ever been before. Just because somebody sees the blessing on you. Give the Lord a good shout one more time. Amen. Pastor.